0: to the Exploring Excellence podcast, a show where I interview professional service leaders, innovators, and client service stars on the importance of people delivering excellent services to drive business performance. I'm your host, Lynn Bromley. I'm an author, speaker, business consultant, and the managing director of First Impressions Training. I've spent my whole career in professional services and a large part of it in finance and technology, so I'm a huge fan of all things techie. But I want to make sure that in a world where we're more connected than ever before, and strangely more disconnected at a human level than ever before, we bridge that gap between tech and people. So sit back and enjoy the show while I introduce you to today's guest. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Exploring Excellence podcast. I'm here with Helen Routledge, she's CEO of Totem Learning, and we're in their lovely offices on the canal side at Electric Wharf in Coventry so welcome Helen. Thank you Lynn, it's an absolute pleasure. Excellent, thank you for joining me today. So first of all tell us a little bit about what you do now. We focus on
1: helping people learn and helping people to engage with content so we look at um, augmented reality, virtual reality, uh, simulations, gamification, essentially anything that involves technology and learning um, that's where we focus. Um, So I took over the business about two and a half years ago, um, and it's been wonderful to diversify the services that we offer and um, work across all the different industries, so that we work in uh, health and beauty, oil and gas, corporate training, education. Uh, never come across a sector where we can't
0: find a solution somewhere. Wow. So very diverse. So anything yes. to do with learning and development yes. works for you. Not a specific sector that that you operate in.
1: That's right. Yes, mm-hmm. because um, at the end of the day, every organisation has to have some element of learning and development mm-hmm. because every organisation hires people, um, and people need support mm-hmm. in their um, in their careers and in their education. Um, and uh, yeah, we've just never crossed across any sector that doesn't need something
0: Mm. and this is probably just a question to to help me to understand but i'm sure other people might want to know as well Mm -hmm. i I often see that difference between ar and vr so what what is the difference between augmented reality and virtual reality that's a great question (laughs) Um, so the way i see it is virtual reality
1: takes you somewhere it takes you to another location another world whether that's um whether that's a representation of the real world or some fantastical world where you're going to go and do some some uh, some missions, um, it's, it's a complete move to somewhere new. Augmented reality brings information to you, so augmented reality adds information to your world. So you look through a camera lens and you see
0: information in the real world. Okay. Great. Thank you for that. That, that. that definitely helps me to understand. So thank you. So tell me a little bit about your background and what got you into doing what you do now, because it's a fascinating area <laughs> and one I'm dying to know a little bit more about. So how did you get into it?
1: Yeah. So um. So by background, I'm a psychologist and um, I, I kind of fell into this area. So I, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s when, you know, the... The Nintendo Entertainment System became really popular and games moved from the arcades into living rooms Um, and that kind of coincided with, you know, when I was 12 I saw an Open University documentary about how the brain works and I was fascinated and I thought I need to understand that more, that's what I want to do with my life and so um, so I chose psychology to understand why people do things, why they make decisions, why people are motivated to make certain choices. and, um, and then essentially I uh, went to university in abertay in Dundee, uh, and unbeknown to me that was the uh, centre of UK games development at the time. It was the only uni that offered a games development course, uh, and I didn't know that when I went up there. <laughs> um, and so for the four years of my degree, I was immersed in games culture. Uh, which was great, because I loved gaming anyway. <laughs> um, and uh, it just so happened I met a couple of guys who had spun out a company on the games course, creating um, multiplayer games to re- to try and augment or replace uh, Outward Bounds training. So you would get put on a desert island, you would have to try and escape the island and solve problems together as a team, and they were looking for someone to validate that product or to evaluate it. So, um, I joined their team in my final year, evaluated their product, found it was really effective as a training tool, and thought this is brilliant. This merges a hobby with a passion because um, over those four years, I, I discovered that games design is essentially psychology. So games designers are brilliant at getting us to make choices and keep playing their games, um, and so they offered me a job back in 2002, and um, it was fantastic. I got to choose my own job title, which was brilliant. (laughs) There was only three companies in the UK doing what we were doing at that time, and so we got invited to conferences in the US, in Asia, and so we got to travel and talk about gaming and talk about how we could make learning and development a bit more engaging, bring some dry subjects to life. Um, and really, I was living the dream mm-hmm. <laughs> for a really good time. going to
0: have home. to ask, what job title did you
1: choose? <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay, next, <come> um, <laughs> yeah, because I was um, still in the kind of the academic mindset, I was um, research manager. Uh-huh. So I didn't go too grandiose. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but yeah, when I left uni, what I really wanted to do was to uh, you know, craft experiments that proved that games could be great learning tools, and try and um, evaluate as many games as I could get my hands on. Mm. So I spent lots and lots of time reading research papers and crafting experiments, which was just brilliant. It was just my
0: dream job at the time. So I
1: count myself as very, very lucky. Yeah,
0: fantastic. So it happened really completely by accident. Yeah, and completely you, by and accident. And definitely happened to be in the right place at the right time. That's right, yeah. And that's how it happened. Gosh, it's <laughs> interesting, it. isn't it? When we're all thinking about planning our careers and actually a lot mm. of people I speak to, these things are never planned, they they happen by some Absolutely. twisted fate and yes. you end up doing what you're doing. So yeah. Well the reason why
1: I was at Abertay is because I didn't get the grades I needed in my A-levels. Ah. I originally was going to go to Surrey University, mm-hmm. which was a bit closer to home, because I'm originally from Hertfordshire, mm-hmm. um, and um, I didn't quite make the grade, so they rejected me and I did the worst thing that anyone well, you, the thing you're told not to do, which is open up the paper, go to the clearing list. And I found the first university, it happened to be Averte, because it's alphabetical, that offered my course. They accepted me. I didn't know where it was, didn't know anything about the course. Wow. So it was, yeah, a, a lot of yeah, good coincidences happened
0: mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> to lead me to, uh, to where I am today. Fantastic. Yeah. And that's a great message for anyone who yeah. is listening that maybe has teenage children that are in that yes. decision-making yeah. mode and it feels as though it's the most oh. important and difficult decision, Yeah. but your case in point that that, <laughs> that doesn't have to be that way. Yeah,
1: so now I'm getting you, goosebumps now because I remember that day so clearly that it felt like the end of the world, yes. you know, when you don't get the A-level yeah. grades that you, what you want mm. and um, your world collapses, but actually it was a great thing to happen to mm. me so uh, yeah. yeah always look for the opportunities no matter how about the situation
0: yes yeah great mm. message i love that yeah so you talked there about learning and development and that's that's something that's very close to my mm. heart uh the fact that we deliver training and workshops mm. and mm. i spend most of my time either one-to-one or mm. delivering workshops so really fascinated to hear a little bit more about particularly what service excellence means to you obviously with this um podcast being called exploring yes. excellence so tell me what that means to you in the context of of the business you're in
1: yeah well I, i'm a big believer in that we've all got an innate love of learning and that we, when we're young we we just love understanding new things we love turning over if we're, when we're a child we turn over the rock in the garden to see what's underneath it we have that curiosity um and I feel we start to lose that a little bit as adults as we go through the formal education system and um, we, we start to come across compliance learning. <laughs> um, and uh, and we start to see learning as a bit of a chore rather than as uh, something that we really enjoy. And so, because I believe that learning should be exciting, it should be fun, it should be rewarding, we try to bring the uh, all of the engaging aspects of Um, of things like gaming, of entertainment, into L&D. So whenever we finish work, there's always your your favourite TV show or your favourite book that you want to go and read or you want to go and meet your friends. There's always something that you want to do and it's about looking and finding why those experiences and interactions are so motivating and powerful and memorable and bringing those into learning and development. Um, and you know, there's in, in a lot of software development, there's something called a technical success and that's where you're given a brief by a client and, um, you deliver to the brief and you meet everything that's on that brief. So technically the software will work, technically it has the content that you've been given, um, but it fails on point of engagement. It's not memorable enough. Um, you know, we, 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 I think we've all probably experienced mm-hmm. that compliance yeah. training, <laughs> um, and so it's it's about bringing in the the human factors of life into learning, and uh, and really bringing it to life and making it memorable.
0: Mm. That's really interesting because one of the questions I was I was wanting to ask is mm. about the fact that you are a digital business mm. and it's how you keep that human factor. Yeah. And so when you are teaching through a you know virtual reality or mm. augmented reality, mm. how do you keep that human connection? Because I'm just thinking about my my daughter's a teenager and she mm. just uh, started a Saturday job and she had to do some um, online learning yeah. for you know the the induction and <laughs> so on and she went oh it's really boring. What <laughs> to just sit there and watch these videos. So I'm imagining that that had no human uh, element yeah. to it. So how do you bring that in with the with the work that you do? Yeah. So the human element
1: is so important. I, I know when I started out looking at this sector, um, and I, I used to uh, work with schools, and a lot of the teachers were terrified of technology because they thought it would replace them. Um, and the, the complete opposite is true. Really, it just changes the relationship. So the way I see it is that digital learning technology should be able to give you access to information, um, and then a specialist, or subject matter expert, teacher, facilitator, can help you contextualize that information and, um, and focus maybe where you need to go next. Um, but I think the way, that, um, the way that we interact is changing as well. So um, you know, young people are very comfortable with technology mm-hmm. now. Um, we've known uh, staff members here who um, prefer to have their uh, their one-to-ones virtually because they're more comfortable talking really? that way, wow. and um, and we actually get a lot more out of them that way yes. as well. So um, so I think that's important to to, to understand it, it, it. It's difficult because we you know we expect to have that human interaction in a certain way, but um, but part of it is about understanding the needs of the individual and then thinking about how we can. How we can change our processes or use technology to help that person, um, but then also gaming is incredibly social. Um, it's always had this um, reputation of being very isolating. Uh, you've got the image of the the young person in their bedroom with the curtains closed, yes. and you know gaming's <laughs> always had that reputation, and I think that's that's flowing into other areas of digital. But um, it's always been so social for me. I used to draw maps of levels and take them to school and share them with my friends. And we would kind of collate this body of knowledge about the games we were playing. Um, and we would talk about it afterwards. Um, and, you know, we see the same things happening with the books that we're reading, with, again, with entertainment, with, with movies. We, we, we talk about these things outside of the experience. Mm. Because even though you're looking at a screen, and it might well be an individual experience. There's so much that you want to talk about. Why did that character make that choice? Or um, in the sense of a, a scenario in, in game space learning, um, I, I decided to um, go and challenge uh, the finance director first, rather than go and talk to the sales team. And then my colleague might have chosen the sales team first. So it, it kind of, creating those water cooler moments, those discussion points, is really, really important. Mm-hmm. So. We always say that digital is not the one solution, it's just part of your whole Mm toolset, really. And that that human element is still really, really critical. But it's about understanding how digital can help in in the whole L&D journey.
0: Mm. Excellent, thank you. I hadn't really thought of it that way before, because you're right, people would naturally talk about what they watched on TV last night and have that same conversation. So it's bringing what they experience, perhaps in their sitting room, into the workplace, and, and people that's have it. that water cooler yeah. conversation yeah. about that, but I've never really thought about it from a, a games perspective. So yeah, yeah, yeah and you've not been involved in really, so yeah, it's interesting yeah. to to hear that there's Absolutely. that element. Because I wouldn't have necessarily thought that. No, so. that's it. And,
1: and um, you know, if you love what you're learning, you again, you're going to want to talk about it. So it goes back to, to your earlier question. Um, uh, you know, if, if we think of learning as a as an exciting experience that can be. Really enjoyable, it can be, it can connect to us on a human level. It's not just content that we need to remember. It's uh, it's an actual experience. Then then we can um, get to that point where people are talking about their learning experiences.
0: Mm, definitely. And you talked there about your team members. Mm. So I'd love to know a little bit about the culture that you have here at Totem Learning. So yeah. tell me tell <laughs> me about that. Cause I've seen a, a few bits and pieces online that you shared yeah. on LinkedIn and so on, and it sounds like a great place to work. So tell me a little bit about that culture.
1: Yeah, well, our culture is something I'm really proud of. Um, so. Um, So I don't have a a business background or an MBA. So, um, I'm kind of you know we're representing, I suppose, our individual um culture here, and it's um, it so basically it's not it's not guided by any business best practices, (laughs) but what we do have is a very open culture. Um, we encourage um a lot of sharing and support among the team, um because it's a very creative space. We we do have a lot of creative conflict, but I think that's very important. I think it's important to create an environment where people are happy to object. Um, and so what so when you're when you're designing a solution, for example, when you're trying to bring income tax basics to life and make that exciting <laughs> you're gonna have an awful lot <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have an awful lot of brainstorming and all how do we do this? It's impossible. But you know, you've got to have a lot of that creative conflict and you've got to have openness to really drive into what is it that does make that interesting as a topic? Why do people choose that as, you know, as a career? Might not be for, for everybody, but there must be some driver and having that ability to have really, really open discussions um, gets to the core, a lot of the core of, uh, of what makes some of our products and services so great. Um, but yeah, and we also have a lot of fun. Um, I'm, I'm sure I've encouraged the team to post on social media recently um, and it's interesting to see what they post so um, one of the team members challenged uh, Mark our technical artist to wear the sombrero to the co-op <laughs> um, yes you do and yeah it's, it's a whole other story as to why we have a sombrero in the office but um, and he did um, and uh, you know it's great because that, that got posted on social media and it shows that the team are human and, um, and again, that's really important that yeah. we're all people just trying to um, make great learning solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, the, the team do really, really enjoy it here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm just really proud.
0: And I was hoping to meet your office dog, but I don't see your office no. dog No, <laughs> no, he's yeah. not here now with a couple Honestly, now. I was hoping to have him in the photograph. Oh, <laughs> 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 we've got a photo
1: somewhere. We've got a photo. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's really important again, that if yeah. people need to bring the dog to work, that's absolutely fine. So we have Cosmo, Spencer's dog, and yeah. Stanley, David's dog, and maybe a new one joining the team shortly as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, that, uh, that unconventional office culture is certainly yeah. true.
0: The, the other thing we talked about, when we talked about people, how important do you think it is to have great people delivering great service? Mm. Does that come across to your clients do they have that interaction with your team members in Mm -hmm. the same way i'm just thinking about it with with it being a a, a digitized business does that still happen yes yeah Yeah, absolutely
1: that um that interaction with the team i would say that's one of the most important things that can happen we, we have a lot of remote clients i've got a client in the u.s i've been working with for the seven years that Totem's been going I've never met him It's only a voice on the phone (laughs) Um, so you know we're very good at working remotely but we find that when people come into the office and they meet the team because meeting the people who actually create the products I think that's really powerful and um and they love showing what they've done as well because they're so proud of the work that they do that that passion that that just kind of comes off and um yeah, we find that that, that really helps mm. um, people understand um, and and yeah, and, and having great people deliver is, is phenomenal because you know we, we've grown as a, a small business, um, kind of the, the usual entrepreneurial <laughs> way of bootstrapping mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and a, a lot of the team worked here because they believed in what we do, they believe in the mission, um, it's not just a job for them. Um, and so, you know, of course we could attract, you know, the the best that the, the industry has to offer with salaries, but, you know, we'd rather do that with our vision. And, you know, do you really believe in what we're doing? And, um, and I do genuinely believe that the team through there are some of the best people um, who do what they
0: do. Brilliant. I shall look forward to meeting more of them. <laughs> Brilliant. And your company recently won an award for yes. service excellence, yeah. and that was in the, the education space. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, that was phenomenal. So educational establishment of the year 2019. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was just an amazing moment. We, we weren't expecting it at all. Um, and it's, it's just fantastic to have that was that recognition from you know? Obviously, I can talk about how brilliant oh we are, but to, yeah. have, to have the recognition from from um, the Service Excellence Awards was just. Yeah, just the dream come true, really.
0: And very well deserved. The judges were really, really impressed with with what you're doing here. So Thank I'm you. really, really pleased that you, <laughs> you won that award. And if the listeners would like to apply service excellence to their mm-hmm. business, mm-hmm. is there a tip that you could share with them? That What would be the one thing you would recommend that they would do to help them to improve their service excellence? So I would say... Um, and
1: it may sound obvious, but, um, but treat your people as humans <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, again, I, I think that's been lost in the drive to uh, to, to reduce budgets and time to competency. And, and all of these drivers that learning and development have, um, learning and development really suffered in the crash. And, and budgets got sliced and they still haven't really recovered. Um, le- it's almost seen as a nice to have rather than a must have. So, so it's about looking at how you can use your resources most effectively and unfortunately a lot of L&D is uh, uses almost a blanket approach so we'll create a course and everyone must do that course regardless of where you are and how where your strengths and weaknesses lie so my tip is to think of everyone as an individual and understand where their strengths lie and help them either develop those strengths or support them where their weaknesses may lie and um yeah really just to to think of people as individuals. Mm,
0: Brilliant, yeah that's really interesting because one of the things that I get involved in with my project management background Mm. is I get to hear about a lot of projects that have been delivered Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes what we're looking at is how they could actually if the project didn't go to to plan mm-hmm. how could that be adapted and a lot of time it boils down to the human aspect being yeah. missed so they'll you're right they'll have that blanket approach this is what we need to do yeah. we need to replace all of the face-to-face training and bring in something that yeah. is is online um so it's quick it's easy we don't have to involve That's all the managers in doing yeah. it what they forget in that is they yeah. forget about the human beings that need to <laughs> Absolutely. take that course, and so if they don't yeah. consult them and understand and meet them where they are, yeah. then the project often fails because yeah. they can do all the great things and make sure the boxes get ticked in terms of what the L and D side wants, mm-hmm. but if they're not looking at what the individual can do and yeah. where their technology lies, and mm-hmm. you know, there might be people who don't normally access computers in their in their day-to-day job. Absolutely, so yeah. if they then can't do some of the simple things on a on a PC then that really falls flat. So yeah. and then often people are scared that they it's gonna impact on their job and, and yeah. you know all of a sudden they're gonna be cutting people. So there's a real fear as well about yeah, the, yeah. the machines taking over oh, and absolutely. You know, and the people. Absolutely. So so I think you're right, absolutely involving the humans all mm. the way through and mm. making sure that they they get their say within the project is is really important, as yeah. well as um, making sure in a business that the people are really considered in in L and D. So that's yeah. a really good point, and one well, that's really <laughs> close to my heart as well. <laughs> as as you know, um, so both of us are, are giving our time freely mm. on the podcast, and we're not. Um, sponsored or anything mm-hmm. like that on this. Mm-hmm. So, what I always ask my guests is, do you have a charity that you'd like to recommend the the listeners make a, a donation to if they've enjoyed listening to the podcast and they'd like to uh, to donate to your charity of choice? So, tell us Thank a little you. bit about the the charity you've you've chosen. Okay. Um, well, I've got two, if I may. Because <laughs> yes, they're both very close to my heart. And um,
1: so, I support the Butterfly Foundation in Uganda, mm-hmm. um, and um, it's set up by a wonderful guy who's using um, gaming, so uh, digital gaming, but board games as well, um, to help young children from the slums uh, understand social enterprise, so they can educate themselves out of poverty, um, and so I sponsor um, a boy there through school, um, and it's, it's not very much for the year, and um, so if anyone is looking... To, to help uh, young, young people work themselves out of poverty then the Butterfly Project is a brilliant cause and they do mm. some wonderful work um, and the other is Macmillan um, so my mum died of cancer about three years ago and um, the Macmillan nurse that she had, Alison was just um, phenomenal so she went to all the appointments with my mother mm-hmm. and um, was really that comfort and, um, and I can't sing their
0: prayers <coughs> you know, enough So, Mm. those are the two. Thank you, both fantastic charities. So thank you for that. And if people would like to find out more about Totem, where where should they go to find out more about you? Um, probably the best place is LinkedIn. If I'm honest, so you know
1: we, we we've obviously got a website, but I think to see the real Totem, you know, follow us on on social. Um, we have our business page, but you know, connect with us individually.
0: Um, we all talk about what we do. Um, we share interesting stories. So absolutely so brilliant and i'll put all of those links on the on the show notes so people can find you that's as it. well and also find the the charities that you talked about yes, as yes well. that would be wonderful wonderful that's great thank you so much for your time helen no thank you lynn it's been a pleasure helen was a complete joy to interview what an interesting business a professional services business that incorporates both technology and the human element I absolutely loved Helen's quote when she said, we're all people just trying to make great learning solutions. And also her top tips delivering service excellence was to treat your people as humans. Really simple, but not well executed in many organizations that I see. I'll be really grateful if you could rate and review us on iTunes or Podbean. It really does help others to find the podcast. And if you or someone you know would be perfect for being interviewed on the podcast, then please do get in touch and let me know enjoy the rest of your summer, whatever you're doing. I don't know about you, but I'm recording this outro on the 19th of July and it really doesn't look like summer outside. My window is absolutely throwing it down with rain. So I hope the weather's better where you are and do enjoy the rest of your summer. So until next time, thank you and goodbye.